All right. Uh, welcome to today's session. Um, my name is Sammy Kaluru. I'll be hosting Rex Black. Um, Rex Black don't need any introduction. Uh, I have privilege to knowing him for almost a decade now through my involvement with ISTQB as well as a, as a training partner here in North America. Uh, Rex Black has over 35 years of experience. Uh, he is the president of the RBCS, uh, a leader in the hardware software testing. Um, Rex RBCS has delivered uh, consulting, test services, and training to hundreds of uh, clients worldwide. Uh, Rex is the founder and also past president of the ISTQB uh, and also the ASTQB in, in ISTQB in America. He's also co-founder and the past president of the TMMI America chapter, the organization that is hosting this conference. Uh, Rex is also most prolific author in the field of software testing. He has uh, published over 14 books uh, and has sold over thousands of copies around the world. Uh, and most, most of his books has been translated into dozens of languages. And uh, without any ado, uh, Rex, here you go. Thanks, Emmy. Let me uh, get my screen shared here so that everybody can see my presentation. All right, hopefully that's working for everybody. So uh, yeah, yes. thanks again, Sammy. Thank you yes. to the TMMI uh, America for giving me this opportunity to talk to everybody today. And uh, what I'm gonna talk about is the intersection between uh, DevOps and testing and TMMI. Uh, particularly the synergies that we find uh, moving into TMMI levels four and five. So I'm going to look at those in some detail and give you some thoughts. Now, you might be looking at this diagram and thinking, you know, what is this? Well, I'm going to explain what it is here as we go. Um, it's very important and uh, central to DevOps and TMMI at, the, at levels four and five. And we really need to start thinking about reorganizing the way we think about testing to focus on the two arrows here, the green one and the red one. So if you look at TM, the TMMI model, um, levels two and three really are just basic testing best practices. Um, they're not, uh, they're, they're applicable really to any kind of life cycle. Um, they don't, um, you know, have any any uh, unique aspects to them lifecycle wise. Um, that also means that from a point of view of DevOps, um, there's not really anything DevOpsy about levels two and three. Um, it's just you know get your act together with regard to software testing. Well, when we get into levels four and five, those ultimately are all about two things finding defects as early as possible, as close to the point of introduction as possible, and preventing defects wherever possible. And that's basically shift left and shift down, which is what the diagram was on the opening slide. So shift left means find and remove defects as close as possible to the point of introduction. And shift down means, how, hey, how about we put fewer defects in to begin with? Um, and this, this is really, if you think about what you're trying to accomplish with DevOps from a product quality point of view and from a testing point of view, that's what we're, what we're trying to do. So let's look at how, um, how that happens. Um, <clears throat> now, first off, you know, what's, what is DevOps 
anyway, uh, well, you know, for the last 20 or so years, um, you know, you've, you've seen things like Agile and the importation of, of lean manufacturing concepts into um, software development, uh, Kanban, another import from uh, uh, Japanese uh, manufacturing, hence the name, um, and uh, specifically Toyota. Um, and supercharging all of this has been the open source movement. Um, so the there, there are a huge amount of tools and um, even if you're working in fairly obscure environments, you can often find tools to enable DevOpsy kinds of um, situations. So, for example, I'm working with a client right now that is using SAP and PeopleSoft and a low-code development environment called OutSystems. And while there certainly are some limitations on the open source and other types of tools available to support uh, DevOps types of uh, um, activities, uh, they're there. Um, you know, I, I remember once uh, about 10 years ago, I was doing an assessment with a client that was using SAP. They're like, oh yeah, we can't do unit testing because SAP. And I'm like, you know, I go on the internet and 15 seconds later, it's like, uh, no, ABAP unit. Uh, so there's, there's lots of stuff out there, but it can be a little confusing because, um, there's a lot of buzzwords and um, a lot of people kind of profiting from the buzzwords. So let's unbuzz the buzzwords a little bit. So we talked about shift left, right? Find and remove defects as close as possible to the point of introduction. Shift down is use root cause analysis, process optimization, and see if you can reduce the number of defects um, that are being introduced to begin with. And then we have continuous integration and um, uh, continuous delivery. Um, so this is where we have development, testing, all mushed together in uh, a build pipeline of some kind or another that allows us to check in code as it's being done. And out of the other end of that pipeline comes a uh, not only a testable um, build, but a tested build, meaning that um, static analysis and unit testing and possibly some amount of automated system testing has been performed against the build already, um, which is, of course, shifting left. Now, continuous deployment takes that a step further and says, well, not only are we going to have a CICD pipeline, but we're actually going to try to push stuff into um, production more frequently. Now, what, what does more frequently mean? Well, it, it depends from one organization to another. You know, some, some organizations are famous for releasing like, you know, multiple times a day. Um, for other of, of my clients, it's, you know, more like, well, we want to go from, you know, once a month to once every two weeks, and that would be a, a step forward. So it can mean different things in different places. And so DevOps and DevSecOps basically, um, it's a compound word, you know, dev and ops and or and dev development and security and operations. Um, so it is about primarily collaboration and trying to accelerate um, uh, release and uh, reduce siloing, getting getting people to work together. So with the buzzwords, hopefully debuzzed a little bit. Um, Going back to the point I was making before, um, what we want 
with DevOps is automation. That's that's why all this open source is out there. It's automating, and it's not just automating testing, but it's automating a lot of things that have to do with quality and configuration management and uh, releasing and deployment, et cetera, et cetera. So let's look now at how this all makes sense in the TMMI world. So um, if you if you look at TMMI closely and, and study it for a while, um, something will emerge to you gradually. Now it's it's hard at first because you know the, the framework is long, it's got a lot of detail in it, you know, you got processes and sub-processes, and it's very, very specific. Um, but when you when you step back from that um, and, and start to think abstractly, right? Levels two and three, as I said, are just basic software testing best practices. Levels four and five get to the point where you're saying, well, look, we need testing to be fully integrated into all aspects of quality and all lifecycle activities, both static activities like reviews and static analysis and dynamic activities, um, unit test, uh, component integration test, system test, system integration test, UAT, right? All those things need to be integrated together. No more, no more silos. Um, and we also want to move from a place of being, say, somewhat subjective, if you will, or potentially subjective about how effective and efficient the um, organization is um, to really getting metrics around that. Um, so we want to be able to measure process capability. We want to be able to measure project progress. We want to be able to measure team productivity. We want to be able to measure product quality, both functional and non-functional. So we really want to get into a place where we are making objective measurements and uh, using those measurements to improve. Um, so constant optimization of testing, constant optimization of development, security of operations. So this is what fully realized TMMI level five uh, would look like. Um, so from a testing point of view, we are embedding into the DevOps processes. Again, no silos. We want embedded to be embedded within uh, the other activities that are going on, uh, our testing work, testing processes, want to be holistic in our thinking about it. Um, we want to make sure that we know what we're doing. Um, it's clearly defined. It's um, universal. It's um, uh, unified across the organization, allowing, of course, for tailoring where we're essential. Uh, as I said, we're measuring it and we're using those measurements to become more effective and efficient. Uh, we're using measurements that are statistical, statistically valid. So we're careful to make sure that we are um, using numbers that are actually meaningful and that they're balanced. Um, not going to get into metrics, but those of you who know me know that this is a big area of interest for me. And so if you're curious about metrics, you can go check out the RBCS YouTube channel. And I've got lots to say about it, but we're using good metrics um, and we're using metrics in service of. Um, shifting our approach from defect detection to early defect detection and defect prevention. So we want to start to think about testing at, as um, system testing, certainly, 
um, and UAT most certainly as almost entirely about confidence building and only incidentally about defect detection. And that of course is completely different than the way things are often done. You know, often testing groups are off in their own silo and the main focus is on, um, you know, find as many defects as possible. And, you know, that's not good in, in, in because that's going to, if, if organizations respond to, to the way they're measured. So if we're basically telling people they, the value of the testing operation is determined by the amount of bugs they find, well, then it's not in the testing organization's best interest to um, shift left and shift down. So we want to try to move away from that and watch out for any sort of impediments like, you know, bad, bad metrics, bad bonus structures, those sort of things that are going to drive um, incorrect behaviors. As I said, we want to leverage automation uh, as much as possible. Um, you need to, of course, move there in a in a incremental fashion. Um, there are a lot of tools out there, and if you just try to do everything all at once, um, it's going to be pretty much a disaster. So, stepwise, deliberate progress towards high degree of automation, and making sure that again we remain aligned with industry best practices, uh, both from a testing point of view and from DevOps and DevSecOps point of view. Um, so again, uh, <clears throat> fully integrated into testing is fully integrated into development, into security, into operations, that these things are working together. So um, what I've done in this presentation was we go through each of the, the six process areas associated with levels four and five is to talk about them generally as defined in the TMMI framework, and then to get into um, the DevOps angles. So let's let's look at each one of those. All right, so 4.1, process area 4.1 and test measurement. So this is about you know upping our game from a measurement point of view. We wanna look at effectiveness and efficiency. I often throw satisfaction into that mix too, the stakeholder satisfaction, because you can be effective and efficient, but your stakeholders can be dissatisfied and that's not good. So we wanna be measuring, you know, how well do we do what we do? That's effectiveness. How um, well do we do that within um, uh, resource, time and resource constraints? That's efficiency. And how happy are our stakeholders with the work that we're doing? That's satisfaction. So we want to make sure that we're measuring those. Um, we're measuring those for processes. We're measuring those for people. Because again, we have to be very careful with people metrics. We're measuring product quality, how well we're delivering product quality. And we're measuring uh, how we're doing in terms of process improvement. Um, now, it's very important that these measurements be aligned with what management actually needs from an informational point of view. And so, um, in a minute, I'm going to get into, you know, what, what, what can we do to ensure that? Um, there are two specific goals that are defined at, at this um, uh, process area, you know, 4.1 process area. Align the test measurements and analysis activities. Uh, and in this case, that would be alignment not only internally within testing, but also uh, from a point of view of consistency across the development, security, the operations point of view. 
And then, of course, providing the test measurement results. So we're talking about things like product dashboards and project uh, progress dashboards and process capability metrics and so forth. So to connect this fully to DevOps, what we want to do is say, okay, we don't want to just look at test measurement, right? So this is the title of PA uh, process area 4.1 is test measurement. We want to say, pull the lens back here and let's say, you know, what are we doing measurement-wise for development? What are we doing for security? What are we doing for operations? What are we doing for testing? And how, how are those all aligned? Um, how do we make sure that we're measuring in a way that is providing full picture and is providing a consistent picture across those areas? Now, how do you do that? Well, you do that by um, looking at your strategic objectives and your tactical objectives, and then um, so start with those, start with what are we trying to accomplish uh, for the business? And then what are we trying to accomplish within each group to support what we're trying to accomplish for the business? And then you use things like goal question metric to make sure that um, you're measuring uh, against the objectives. And that closes the loop with what I was saying before, aligning measurement with management information needs. Management needs to know we're achieving our strategic and tactical objectives and uh, by creating metrics that are directly traceable to those objectives, then uh, we're, we're able to go forward with that. Now, the purpose of these metrics, of course, is to drive improvements. So that's going to lead us on into process area 4.2, which is the product quality evaluation. So the short explanation of that, uh, paraphrasing, summarizing the framework is that we want to have a quantitative understanding of our product quality. Uh, so not just like, yeah, yeah, people think it's good. And yeah, yeah, we survey our customers and they seem to be pretty kind of happy most of the time, except when they're not. No, that's not what we're trying to do here. What we're trying to do is to say we have targets for what product quality should be. Those are our goals. And we know how to measure against the using the metrics that we developed and process area 4.1. And we are going to do this specifically through two goals. One is we are going to have measurable and prioritized project goals for product quality. So we know we know what good looks like and we have measurements that allow us to measure and say whether we're doing that, whether we're achieving that. Um, and so with that um, goal set, we can actually quantify and manage the progress towards hitting those goals um, because, again, it's quantified, right? We know where we want to be. That's the goal. We know where we are. We know what the gap is. And we can say, okay, we want to reduce that gap by X amount. Uh, for example, we might have from a testing point of view and, and overall development point of view, operations point of view, we might say, okay, we currently we have a defect removal effectiveness of 90%. Let's say we've got a defect detection effectiveness of 95% in our, our system uh, and system integration testing group, a defect removal effectiveness of 90% overall. So we want to actually close that gap and we want to get to the point where every real honest to God defect, which is found by um, system test, system integration test will be removed. So we want DRE, defect removal effectiveness, to be equal to defect detection effectiveness, DDE, 90, and hit that 95% as an example. Um, so basically, from a DevOps point of view, what we're doing is we're taking the uh, metrics that we put in place in 
4.1, the previous process area. And we're saying, okay, we've got objectives um, that are associated with product quality. We've got metrics. Um, and um, we are now going to, you know, as I said, make, make progress in those to improve. So as an example, um, looking at coverage, um, code coverage um, is a, a uh, thing that I've done with, with a client uh, recently. We, we had a fully integrated code coverage measurement that can measure code coverage at all levels, both manual and automated. And we wanted to set targets for, you know, to what extent have we thoroughly exercised the software um, and use that to make decisions about, are we you know, ready for release? Um, now, another thing to do here from a DevOps point of view, and this really kind of gets into agile, is when you are talking about definition of done, make sure that test coverage and test results are part of that. Um, there's There can be pushback on this. I run into this with clients. They're like, oh, well, the developers think it's not going to be fair if their you know, definition of done is, you know, includes uh, test coverage and test results. And it's like, hmm, well, how, how is that going to be not fair? fair to them, right? Um, and why would they be concerned about whether it was quote unquote fair, right? Because what that tells me when I hear that is that there is some sort of explicit or implicit reward slash punishment associated with how much a developer gets done. And that's going to create problems. That's an example of a metric um, sending the, the wrong message, right? So what we're concerned about here is not how quickly can a developer throw something over a fence into the next step, right? That's that's waterfall thinking. That's, that's you know, shift right thinking. What we're concerned with is how quickly can the team as a whole deliver quality products into operations, all right? So make sure you're keenly attuned to any signs that somebody might be thinking about these things the wrong way. Uh, or that management through implicit or explicit metrics are sending uh, counterproductive messages. All right, so 4.3 is advanced review. So this is where we get into, hey, let's make sure that we're thinking about the static part of the uh, testing operation, static tests. So you know, reviews are something that's that happen in levels two and three for sure. But what we're talking about here is, well, let's actually start using the reviews to measure product quality and set some targets for product quality early and um, make sure that we are thinking about how to um, align what we learn from static testing with our subsequent dynamic testing. Uh, so there are three goals, coordinating the static test approach with the dynamic approach. So that means getting, getting into your strategy and making sure your strategy is comprehensive, covers static testing as well. Not a lot of clients do this very well, I have found, um, and because it's it's challenging. So um, something that you know needs, needs work because um, these things are often thought of as, as very different. Um, Set measurements. So again, moving from a purely subjective, you know, hey, gee, we think this user story is probably ready for uh, 
a developer to start coding against it. Like, well, now let's get a little bit more um, quantitative about, about what that would mean. Um, and think about when we are doing static testing, we're doing reviews, um, we're doing static analysis, how the results of that would influence our dynamic testing. So for example, if we think that a particular user story is very complex, we need to be thinking up front during the review process about the more thorough extent of testing for it. So of course that, that then means maybe your backlog refinement should include uh, doing things like um, uh, test design. And I'm working with a client right now as an agile testing coach to uh, help make sure that they, they are doing that. In fact, we were doing that just this morning. So from a DevOps point of view, we wanna make sure we're talking about things like backlog refinement, other forms of reviews, and we're talking about static analysis, static analysis of code, static analysis of other kinds of artifacts as well. Um, again, make sure that you know the coverage is being, your, your dynamic test coverage is being adjusted based on your, your what, what you learned from your backlog refinement, other, other reviews. And uh, for your static code analysis, um, what, what I've seen clients do, and I think this is a good practice, is you have both what are called soft limits and hard limits on um, when um, code can be checked in. So a hard limit basically says you can't check in code that violates these rules. A softer limit would say you can check it in, but there are going to be warnings. So you want to make sure that those kind of quality bars are being set. So that gets us through level four. So moving into level five, now we get explicitly into process area 5.1 defect prevention. So that is shift down. So we want to start looking at why are we having defects? Um, what could we do to try to prevent those from occurring? Now, this is this is nothing new. This goes way back, of course, you know, statistical quality control concept, but um you know, it is definitely something that um, demonstrates a high degree of maturity of an organization, I guess you could say, when when they're doing it. Now, I did some consulting work with Dell and have done on and off for over uh, 25 years. And one of the things that Dell had um, it has uh, is a very good, what they call closed loop corrective action process. Um, and so that involves looking at defects that have happen in in the field and then um using the 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 information gleaned from that to make process changes that actually uh reduce the incident uh incidence of those defects so that's you know specific goals one and two right there right um so <clears throat> devops from a devops point of view you know using that root cause analysis look for corrective and preventive actions, applying, you know, as, as you would Pareto um, analysis to make sure that you're focusing on the most important things, not because you're not going to be able to fix everything and you're not going to be able to prevent every defect. Uh, certainly as part of your agile retrospectives, um, you know, you should be thinking about when you found defects late in a sprint, why did we, why did we find that so late? What was the earliest possible opportunity to uh, find and remove that defect. Um, so we want to really take a holistic view 
defects wherever we find them at whatever point, all the way from you know a failure in the CI/CD pipeline to bugs that were reported by customers. Use that Pareto analysis technique to uh, focus and uh, uh, aim for the the highest value improvements. Um, so, process area five point two quality control is now starting to um, blend together some things that we've done and talked about. Uh, so we had our statistically valid metrics. And so now we're going to try to apply that to our processes. Um, we have process capability metrics. So now we're gonna say, okay, let's use those process capability metrics to make sure that we are very predictable, that we are very stable, um, that we're uh, making the process work in such a way that quality is very consistent uh, and high. And we want to also start looking at efficiency again. So optimizing how effective we are within certain resource constraints and limitations. So we're using concepts from statistical process control, Six Sigma, Lean, and so forth. This is where we get into the DevOps stuff to achieve specific goal one. So statistically controlled process and um, using statistical methods uh, to um, think about how to test, uh, applying statistics, for example, to your risk analysis and your risk-based testing. So to, to make sure that this is fully DevOps enabled, um, expand the scope, not just from testing, but all development, security, and operations processes. So you know, we want to break down silos. We want to expand the scope of process area 5.2 to, to span those different groups. Um, again, applying statistical process control, Six Sigma, Lean, those sort of things to really make sure that we are um, uh, controlling the, the entire development process. Um, what we're doing here, of course, is leveraging things that we did in process area 4.1 and process area 4.2, right? Uh, we're also highly leveraging automation. Um, this is the point where we wanna have a highly automated, very reliable, very consistent build and delivery pipeline. It should just almost never break. Um, and we wanna, of course, have metrics that tell us that it doesn't and tell us what its capabilities are in terms of things like code coverage and so forth. So metrics should be um, presented to the right people at the right time. So you don't want the fire hose of numbers going at people. You wanna use information radiators of various kinds uh, to make sure that the right people are seeing the right information. So some of my clients like to use things like big screen TVs that are displaying um, the you know latest results of the static analysis, the automated unit testing, the automated integration testing, and the automated system testing that's getting run as part of the build process. And then last, but certainly not least, we have process area 5.3, the test process optimization. So we talked about defining strategic and tactical objectives uh, and metrics for them. So now what we're gonna do is we're gonna turn around and say, okay, we are gonna look at those metrics and there's effectiveness metrics, efficiency metrics, satisfaction metrics. And we are gonna figure out which of uh, those objectives if we were to improve our achievement of it would be most impactful. So 
You're going to use, again, Pareto analysis to identify the processes that, that have the most potential value associated with improving them. We want to look at ways of bringing in even more technology that can support this, more automation, for example. And we want to make sure that um, to the extent that we are creating assets of various kinds, test automation assets, uh, et cetera, that those are being reused appropriately. So we have four specific goals here, um, so, uh, figuring out which process to improve, uh, figuring out what kind of technologies can support those improvements, then deploying those improvements and making sure that we are um, leveraging the assets created by those improvements across the organization. So from a DevOps point of view, this all just builds on top of the other five process areas that we've talked about here. And again, we wanna make sure that we're re reusing assets cross-functionally. So to give you an example of that, one of my clients was doing a lot of great work with BDD, behavior-driven development from a from purely requirements um, management and development side. So they had their user stories and then they had their acceptance criteria for their user stories. And then they um, would um, expand those or uh, elaborate those acceptance criteria into given when then statements in BDD. And that was all great. And they were using those those insights in the, in their like I said, their requirements management and their development side, but it wasn't being used by testing group. So I worked with them to establish a end-to-end -end process whereby, first off, you know, get the testers involved early. So make sure there's a tester involved in the development of these BDD statements, these behavior-driven development statements, the so-called Gherkins. Um, so that you're thinking about this from a testability point of view, and then make sure that that is feeding into the automation pipeline. So they were they were in the process of automating. They had like a hundred thousand manual tests, and they were process of automating those. They were about you know to thirty thousand uh, automated tests when I wound down my engagement with them. And I said, hey, all those BDD statements ought to be flowing into your automation backlog, um, appropriately prioritized, and should eventually end up in your automated test suite. So that's an example of making sure that we have assets being reused cross-functionally. All right, so I'll wind up here and then uh, we'll get into uh, Q&A. Um, so hopefully you've seen through this discussion that if you, you look at uh, the process areas and the goals associated with levels four and five, that there's really strong intersection and support uh, with what you're trying to accomplish with DevOps. Um, and so this is a thing to really try to keep in mind, um, you know, levels two and three, great. You know, those are the, it's the foundation, it's the preconditions for um, doing anything else. Uh, Cause you know, optimizing a testing process that is not based on basic testing best practices is, you know, like trying to optimize a tricycle and expecting that you're going to win the, um, you know, Indy 500 with it, that's clearly not going to happen. So you want to make sure that your testing process is, uh, is not, you know, it's not a tricycle, it's an actual um, race car, all right? Um, and then when you get into levels four and five, this is where you want to start thinking about a unified overarching strategy. Um, it's really easy to silo. 
Um, so many organizations have problems with siloing. In fact, I would say that the vast majority of organizations do, and very few don't have problems with siloing. Now, DevOps is supposed to help you think about breaking silos, but you know it's it's hard. And even in in organizations that are getting into DevOps, there still can be a lot of siloing, including siloing, ironically, within the DevOps work. Um, so you want to try to avoid that. Another thing is focus on the process areas and the specific and generic goals associated with the, the six process areas. The practices, the specific practices, the generic practices, and in the case of the specific practices, the specific sub-practices within TMMI framework. That, that, of course, the bulk of the text in the framework is in the practices and the sub-practices, and that can lead people to think, oh, well, that's, that's where the meat is, that's where the value is, but in fact, it's the goals that you're trying to achieve. The practices are in there as a means to an end. So, um, you know, to really, again, stay focused on what you're trying to achieve. Uh, don't get lost in the, the individual details. I know that's easy to say. The first few times I read the framework, it was my eyes were going around in circles, trying to just understand the basics of it, understand all the, all the nuances. Once you've digested it and you do understand it, um, you know, it's time to pop up to that higher level and start thinking about, you know, what's this all about? What's this TMMI stuff all about? And, you know, as I said, what it comes down to is levels two and three are your basic testing best practices and levels four and five, shift left and shift down. And if your organization is already doing DevOps, you want to make sure since DevOps is also about shift left and shift down that we're doing that in a coordinated way. All right. Um, Sammy, do we have a few minutes to uh, get into uh, Q&A here, I think we have some questions, right? Yeah, yes, we do have a couple of questions. Yes, we, had, we have some minutes left. Okay. Uh, okay, all right. So yes, uh, thank you, Rex. Uh, it's really enlightening to you know, uh, know the relationship with, with, between the DevOps and the TMMI and the test management, including the shift left and shift right. Um, so we have a few questions here. The yeah. first question is, uh, <laughs> Shift left uh, doesn't mean we are talking only from a documentation point of view. Either is there anything else we can consider for shift left? Well, I mean, the important thing with shift left is just to keep in mind that 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 our objective in shifting left is to detect and remove defects as close as possible to their point of introduction, right? And you know, a defect can be introduced in a document in a in a user story, for example, or an acceptance criteria for a user story, or even if you're using BDD for in a given when then statement um, associated with an acceptance criteria in a user story. So shift left would be, you know, let's get those user stories or acceptance criteria and any other assets associated with them like BDD statements or test signs and so forth as good as possible before we start doing development uh, from those. Um, but, you know, there are defects that are introduced in the development process itself, of course, right? Um, so, you know, coding uh, defects. And this is where we want to have things like uh, fully integrated static analysis tools like SonarCube, for example, very popular. Um, there could be tools that look at code layout and code formatting to make that consistent. I'm you know, familiar with some of those for Python, for example. Um uh, static analysis tools that look at 
uh, complexity, psychomatic complexity. Um, I forget that Sonar Cube has one. It's a fundamental complexity or in, in intellectual complexity. So there's a lot of different ways of, of evaluating the code from purely static point of view as part of your, your um, uh, check-in process as well as the development process and, of course, the unit tests. So we want to make sure that the developers are exploiting those kind of static code analysis and unit test tools to uh, detect and remove defects before they're even checked in from a build point of view. And so, yeah, it's it, it needs to be holistic. Shift, shift left can't just mean I want to strive for perfect, perfect, perfect requirements and test designs before I start developing code. Uh, because while there's, there's certainly value in that, there are other places where defects are introduced into our systems that need to be addressed. Awesome. Thank you very much, Rex, for that response. Um, I have another question here. It's an elevator question, actually, I guess. Um, how would you respond to an engineering leader who says TMMI works best for waterfall? Well, I would say um, that if somebody's thinking that, they're probably making the mistake I was talking about just a few minutes ago, is that they're bogged down by focusing on the specific and generic practices that are defined in the framework um, and not focusing on the overall objectives of the process area and the specific and generic goals associated with that process area. Because if you, if you do that, if you if like if you were to take a, a version of the framework where you just deleted all of the practices and sub practices from it and just read the descriptions of the process areas and of the and the specific and generic goals associated with them, um, you would see that there's nothing waterfallish about that at all. In fact, a lot of the stuff that you would see there is very closely aligned with what organizations say they're trying to do from a DevOps point of view. Um, and, and that's that's no surprise because if you if you look at uh, books by especially Boris Beiser, but also like Bill Hetzel, uh, some of the sort of foundational texts of software testing from the 1980s, um, you will see that a lot of the stuff they're talking about there is like, oh yeah, we're doing that now, or at least we're finally, we're finally moving into doing that, right? So especially when you get into levels four and five, as I showed, that if you you can look at those specific goals that are associated with those six process areas, and those map right into, um, you know, what you're trying to accomplish with DevOps. So this idea that there's something inherently waterfall about the TMMI model is just wrong. It's again, it's it's a matter of people getting lost in the in the practices and not uh, focusing on the goals. Awesome. Thank you very much, Rex. Um, we are off. off uh, it's, we are just a couple of minutes late. One last question. Maybe we have room for one question. Talking about DevOps, uh, do you see a lot of DevOps team benefiting from leveraging TMMI? Well, and how? Yeah. Um, I, I, not as many, not as many as should, uh, to be honest with you. Now, I did just do an assessment for a client um, over the last couple of years that did involve looking at uh, what they were doing uh, from a level four and five point of view, as well as levels two and three, um, and and aligning that with what they were doing with their their DevOps um, processes. And 
know, I told them that they really should focus on getting levels four and five in place because, you know, they were building up their DevOps practices. And I said, now is the time to do levels four and five, because if you do those together, you know, as you, as you're solidifying your, your uh, DevOps practices, and then, you know, start thinking about how to get to levels four and five and TMMI, if you do those things together, you're going to be, it's going to be more efficient. If you have the DevOps stuff in place and then come back around and say, okay, now we want to try to get to TMMI levels four and five, uh, you're going to end up having some some rework that you have to do. So really, it, it does make sense for organizations that are uh, transforming to be more DevOps oriented to look at, you know, how how to how to exploit um, TMMI, especially levels four and five. Awesome. Thank you very much, Rex. I think we have a couple more questions, but we're out of time. Uh, yes, thank you, uh, Rex, for your time today and for enlightening us about the DevOps and the TMMI and the uh, and the test management in general. Uh, for all the participants, uh, thank you for joining uh, today's sessions. Uh, please, there's a more sessions lined up for you. Please pick your uh, favorite sessions and we'll see you there. And also do not forget to uh, meet our sponsors at the Expo and the networking table. Have a wonderful evening. All right. Thanks very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Rex. Thank you very much.